Bigger than cakes. Give me some outsiders. Hello, welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach and I am joined by Angela. Hey Angela, how are you doing? Hello, I'm doing all right. Splendid. Um, this is our first official film club of the new yeah. the new <laughs> year and the new podcast and the new yes. everything. The new everything. It's an old film, but everything else is new. And it's not even that old a film, it just it feels old. <laughs> I think yeah. is is key here. Um, yeah. So I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get straight to it this week. So in a sequel to several previous podcasts, we're going to yeah. be talking about Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. We are indeed. Um, for better or for worse, we we shall see. And. Um, it came out in 2007, directed by Tim Story and written by Don Payne, Mark Frost, John Turman, Mark Frost again, according to IMDb. And the characters were created, of course, by Stanley and Jack Kirby. And um, I know what you're thinking. Bigger Than Capes has immediately gone straight to capes. Yes. But unpopular capes. And that's what... That's what we're going for. That's what yeah. the people want, I assume. Yeah, they so, want terrible films and adaptations of popular characters <laughs> i mean apparently that's what we're drawn to so it is i have to assume that we're correct <laughs> yeah um in a previous life we quite enjoyed the first fantastic four we did yes um so I, i'm curious to see how you feel about the sequel <laughs> it is both better and worse i i think that is entirely fair and i'm curious if we think in the same ways <laughs> yes. um so i i believe you've got some pre-prepared fantastic four fantastic facts as i'm going to be trademarking them yes i do to give people a sense of how poorly these films did <laughs> so the <laughs> so Sorry. Yeah, the the first Fantastic Four film, which we quite enjoyed, did okay. So it had a budget of between, I like how it's estimated on Wikipedia, as between 87.5 and $100 million, because what's $12.5 million between friends? Um, the box office, however, was $333.5 million. Doesn't sound a lot now when we're used to comic book films making you know at least a billion but this is you know the mid 2000s it was a different yeah. time a different era um so it made its money back clearly it sadly only had an approval rating of 27 percent on rotten tomatoes which not incredible not not great um and poor compared to other comic book films of the time the average rating came out at 4.51 out of 10 which makes me sad <laughs> at least it's at least a five um 
So it made money, so they thought, we'll make another one. So we're going to do Rise of the Silver Surfer, because, of course, the Silver Surfer, big part of Fantastic Four lore in the comics. So they upped the budget to between $120 and $130 million. Again, what's $10 million between <laughs> friends? However, the box office was only $301.9 million. How sad. Um and although it grossed more on its opening weekend compared to the first one, it fell, it dropped like a stone after that, basically. Um, so that one has an approval rating, or the one we're going to discuss has an approval rating of 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but the average rating is 4.78 out of 10, which is probably closer to how I feel. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, that is in a nutshell, the financial background to these films. They got all the original cast back for the sequel and some new people. Um, and some new people. And some new people who no doubt we will be discussing how we feel about these new people and what they bring or do not bring um, to this. But all your favourites are back. You've got uh, Yoan Griffith as Reed Richards slash... Mr. Fantastic. You've got Jessica Alba back as Sue Storm slash Invisible Woman. You've got Chris Evans back as Johnny Storm slash The Human Torch. And you've got Michael Chiklis back as Ben Grimm slash The Thing. And also Victor's back. But we'll we'll get into that when he appears. Julian McMahon's back, which is nice. Um, we'll talk about him slightly <laughs> later on. Oh, yes, um, you will. Yeah. I don't really care about anyone else, so I've not written any other names. Oh, yeah, no, no, uh, Kerry Washington's back as Alicia, which is nice. Yes. Um, also, Silver Surfer is some of my favourite odd casting. It's so, brilliant, yes. So, the body of Surfer <laughs> <laughs> yes. is Doug Jones, who was also Abe Sapien Hellboy, and... Yeah most recently is Saru in Star Trek Discovery. Yes, and the fish man in the shape of water. Yes. So if you need a tall, thin man who's okay being covered in whatever kind of prosthetics you've got, Doug Jones. Doug Jones is your man. And he is quite a good actor. He is. I like him. But in spite of... Yeah, I, I really like him too. I think... I Right. Obviously, he's just allowed to do his own voice and be... a his own person in Discovery. Which is so nice. Yeah, but I, I can't remember. I thought in Abe's, when he's Abe Sapien in Hellboy, someone else voices him. Yes, David Hyde Pierce, who incidentally was in Frasier with Kelsey Grammer. There's a link for you. That's yeah, so in, uh, yeah, in the first Hellboy, he is dubbed by David Hyde Pierce, but he is allowed to use his own voice in the sequel, I believe. Uh, okay, that might be why I was struggling to... Mm facts check that the other day yeah. um, and in this he is voiced by Lawrence Fishburne yes he Morpheus voices the Silver Surfer which I think is made weird by the fact that he doesn't speak enough to justify it no <laughs> I, I think it, in my opinion it's like okay Lawrence Fishburne's cool don't get me wrong but I don't know if I don't know if he's necessary for the like it's, additional yeah, voice. 
No, it's not like a James Earl Jones dubbing David Prowse Darth Vader situation. No. It's not like that. You know, it's not like Doug Jones has a voice that doesn't fit with the character. I'm sure, having seen him actually do characters where he voices them himself, he has a voice that could have been used for the character. Uh, But he doesn't speak that much, so it does seem really weird that, hey, Lawrence Fishburne, he's cool, He's, he's done The Matrix, we'll have him. Maybe. Yeah, and it's weird because I can't think of any other high-profile Lawrence Fishburne films from this time other than the three Matrixes. The ma- Matrices? The Matrices. <laughs> as, they're, as they're more commonly known. Yeah. Um, but no. I don't know. That That's just an odd... It's a very odd choice. Odd choice and a choice that I don't think needed to be made, but maybe that's no. just me. No. Um. So, plot. <laughs> well, is there one? I mean, I've I've watched this film. I'm still not sure there is one. It's a series <laughs> of things that happen. And the loose thread sort of running through it is, hey, um, Reed and Sue are getting married, y'all. Yeah. That's it, it, that's it really. <laughs> oh, also mystery galactus space cloud stuff but that's that's but that feels more like the b plot like the entire film is hung around so reed and sue they're, they're trying to get married and stuff happens um but they're, they're gonna get married and how's that gonna impact them how's that gonna impact johnny and ben yeah how's that, it- that's the plot and then things happen around their desperation and failure to get married this is very true and Okay, it, I I can't remember how long the first one was, but this this is only an hour and a half. I think eighty eight minutes, including credits. Yeah, it's very short. And I I feel like there's at least another fifteen twenty minutes on the first one, maybe. Yeah, there is. It's longer. Um, so I think what's interesting is yeah, the the main plot of the film is incredibly dull. <laughs> It, yeah, because yeah, I've never, I don't care, Reed and Sue, get married, don't get married, have kids, don't have kids, possibly don't have kids, considering how that turns out in the comics. But still, it, you know, it, I don't care. But, so whilst that is essentially the main plot, the, the main plot of this film is they're getting married, hopefully, and what does that mean for Ben and Johnny, and this kind of overarching plot of Sue and Reed are really just the worst people. Genuinely, yes. So they're kind of perfect for each other. but awful. Like, I mean, I will say what I did like was it pushes Johnny and Ben together a bit more because that's what we missed from the first one was that relationship. Um, I did love how, like, at one point, Johnny's like, well, if they go off, what are we going to be, the dynamic duo? And I'm like, no, you're going to be Marvel 2 in 1, Johnny, and it's going to be good. <laughs> but but I like that, because that's always, out of the Fantastic Four, that is my favourite relationship is between those two characters. So on the yeah. plus side, we get those two. But halfway through, I'm like, dudes, just ditch him. Ditch him. Just ditch Reed and Sue. Get out. Start your own plot. Yeah. Doesn't matter that the world's going to end. Yeah, because go on. That- 
because that's the subplot here, the B plot, that the world is going to end. Yeah. But that doesn't matter because what's going to happen to the Fantastic Four? Um, Will Reed and Sue get married? That's the thing. That Will Reed and Sue get married is a is given more importance in the plot than oh my god is the world going to end it's yeah <laughs> and it's it's quite frustrating i'm not going to so we open with the silver surfer's arrival on earth of course we don't get to see the silver surfer he's just a kind of fast moving he's a silver spirit. blur yes yeah that bounces around the earth and causes weird events so he makes it snow in egypt and he and- makes it cold in japan which is not that strange an occurrence actually. that was a bit weird because it was like yeah but the way the sea freezes is it literally freezes like, like we're just mid-wave mid-wave <laughs> i mean i think that was a pro- like you could have if you'd have had it like ice that wouldn't have been an abnormal occurrence particularly yeah. because there's a snowy mountain in the background but it would have made a little bit more sense if maybe he's just, you know, increasing coldness everywhere. And that would have made more sense because later on the newsreader says, scientists don't think climate change is involved in these strange events. Yeah. Which would make more sense if everything was going colder, but it's completely random. It's just all kinds of weird stuff happens. He turns the lights out in Los Angeles. Yes, and this is what bothers me. It's like it's suggested that he's manipulating, like, weather and stuff, but he just makes two places a bit cold turns the lights out somewhere and then interrupts a wedding because he realises he's being scanned and he's not having any of that. Yeah. Somehow. But it's like, where was he in the interim period? So there's all this stuff happens and then he just disappears because we have to focus on the important things. Like, why are the Fantastic Four travelling in coach? <laughs> yeah, and don't be wrong, that's funny. <laughs> I, think, I think we all agree that seeing the Fantastic yeah. Four... Getting on a plane is just just damn hilarious. I mean, I mean that's that's what I want from uh, a superhero film is to see how they cope, having to you know store their luggage in overhead compartments <laughs> and squeeze into gaps in seats that are clearly too small. And here's the thing: I, I watched this film like a day ago. So did I, yeah. And, and I can't remember for the life of me where they're coming back from or why it matters. No, all that it, it's like they're in an airport because they this is the thing, it's like they have a massive they have a massive they've completely upgraded the Baxter building, like totally. Yeah. Considering this is a guy who couldn't pay the bills last film. Now it's a new building also. Now it's a new building, it's all fancy, it's all shiny. Why don't you have a private plane? I mean we know uh, why, because well, the fantastic cars come in later on. Spoilers. Or, also, you can't have like a helipad or anything because they've had to turn the, the ceiling into a giant Fantastic Four logo yeah. skylight. And obviously yeah. that's Im- more important than like yeah. flight. But it's like if they were going to save the world, like if they had traveled somewhere to save the world and they were traveling back, how does that work? Because you've, you've appeared somewhere, you get it on a plane back, I really hope they weren't in a rush to have the world saved wherever you were yeah. because you'd have had to, sorry, this flight's fully booked. You're going to have to wait for the next one. Um, it doesn't make any sense. But this is another thing, and it's something that we would see in the MCU, for instance. We would see a kind of hint of what's happened between films. Yeah. 
But there is no indication that anything has happened since the previous Fantastic Four film. There's no, like, reference to Mole Man or no. the Negative Zone or um, the Skrulls. I mean, okay, there are Skrull references later on, yeah. but not in a obvious way. Right, no. M- more in a Skrull Easter egg, I guess. Yes. Um, and I'm not even sure if that's intentional. Which... I don't know if it is, to be honest. Um. So there's a there's a few things where there's just kind of black holes of but what have you guys done for two years? I I know what I did between two thousand and five and two thousand and seven, but what did the Fantastic Four do? Well, Johnny grew his hair out a bit. Um, ben got a custom jacket. Um, Sue got a really bad wig and terrible contacts. Um, yep. <laughs> And Reed just continued to be an ass. And apparently, it's like they're, because it's on the news, like the Fantastic Four, the wedding of the millennium, whatever. Century, decade. Century, decade, yeah. I mean, you're only in 2007, people. It's a long century to go. (laughs) It's going to be the wedding of the century. We've only had seven years. Um, But yeah, it's like, that's the news, not, hey, the Fantastic Four just saved 20 children from a burning building yeah Um, and also they're getting married next week like that was the perfect time to put something in there like oh yeah they're getting married but you know they've done this that and the other yeah it's it's like we're getting the the marriage of the century fresh off a fight with mole man it'd be like oh cool it's right yeah with you giant monsters underground yeah yeah but it's not it's just like you know these guys they did that thing on a bridge once they're getting married now yeah I mean, they did have an entire fan club after saving those people on a bridge with an accident that they kind of half caused themselves. Um, so minor detail, Angela. <laughs> minor minor detail. detail. So yeah, it, it's just ridiculous, and I just want to mention it here. There is that bit where instead of signing autographs, Ben like rubs his fingers together, and just you know, children have handkerchiefs, and he's and I'm like, that's disgusting. That's like saying just... to children. Here's my old toenail clippings. Here's a bit of dried skin I peeled off. Here you go, children. And it's just rock dust. And I'm assuming those kids save it and sell it on eBay later. Uh, <laughs> in eBay in is, another subplot that never another, really plays out. Yeah, I'd have rather seen that than, oh, no, Sue has not decided the placement of the flowers on the tables for the wedding. <laughs> I. <laughs> All right. So, oh, there's so much to get at and so so little time in my life um okay so there are some there are some interesting things here so w- with the silver surfer flying around and yeah. it being covered on the news reports we see stuff like it being referred to as you know people are, are saying that it's not global warming and it could be a sign of the hand of god yes which i'm assuming i'm assuming it's intentionally referential to the fact that Apparently, Stanley's brief that he gave Jack Kirby for the introduction of Galactus and the Silver Surfer was the Fantastic Four meet God. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's a knowing reference reference to such things. Um, But maybe it's not. That's that's the kind of film this is. Maybe it's not. That's the problem, (laughs) is that things you think, oh, yeah, that's, that's a reference, could equally not be a reference it could just be a lazy coincidence because that's how well this film is plotted (laughs) i.e that poorly 
Yeah, and there are so many subplots that start and don't resolve. I, I don't know how yeah. you feel about that. There, and, there are a lot, yeah. And and there's things like, okay, so before the Silver Surfer interrupts the wedding by trying to, dis- by, well, not trying to, by destroying the scanner that Reed has made, despite saying he won't make it, um, we, we catch up with, Johnny convincing Reed to have a bachelor party because he's getting married and that's that's what the guys have to do. And they go to a bar and dance yeah. a bit and Reed bores people with information about the Big Bang that's not exactly an oh, indicator that, that Reed Richards is smart. That annoyed me so much because it's just like, so... I think one of the women, you know, the gorgeous women who's just, you know, hanging over his every word for some reason. Um, and then he's like, yes, Candy. And I'm like, great. So you named your female character there who's like, oh, the Big Bang, so excited. You named her Candy. Really, film, Really? Thanks for that. I, I can't help but th- think that the whole Bachelor Party sequence is just loaded with kind of cliche sexist awfulness just, yes. yeah just all, all around awfulness from yeah the the girls johnny has brought to dance for them to dance with and explain the big bang to through to uh sue turns up obviously and her reaction is like such a kind of cliche outrage oh, girlfriend God, yeah for her then to like a scene later be like I don't care. I, I know you read. I know you wouldn't do anything, you know. Yeah. Anything. And, you know, what you know, my, my bachelorette party was way wilder. And it's like, well, why were you so outraged literally 30 exactly. seconds ago? We we also see so Sue turns up at the bachelor party with Captain Holt, sorry, General Hager. Yes. Who <laughs> is Andre Braha Brahner? Yeah, yeah. Of Brooklyn Nine Nine fame, yep. who basically, and no offense to him because I really like him as an actor, he's tremendous at playing one character. Yes, he is. He plays the t- he, he he's early Captain Holt in this. He plays the same role in um, the Mist with yep. uh, like the Tom Jane fronted adaptation. He he plays the same pissed off old man in everything and he's he looks the same all the time so i have no gauge on how old he is well this is it because i was like wow this is 13 years ago he doesn't look any different now yeah did he just age to look really old really quick and then he's not aged since this was my question like did he always have gray hair is that what this is Is... (laughs) he was born with gray hair and don't get me wrong, I, I really like him, but I don't think he benefits from being in this film. This film would work perfectly fine if he wasn't in it. Yeah, he basically hires Reed to create a scanner to find the Silver Surfer, although they don't know he's a Silver Surfer just yet. Yeah. But they will real soon when Reed, oh, yeah. when Reed names him that after seeing a single photo. Oh, no, not after seeing no, after, 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 after Johnny, Johnny explains what he yeah. is. Yeah. So he builds this. He says, no, I'm not going to build this scanner. We're getting married, and that's more important. And, you know, 
General Haig is outraged and Sue's all like, oh, Reed, you, you, you. Oh, yeah. And, and then obviously, you know, he builds the scanner anyway on his, on his wedding day, no less, which is yeah. then interrupted by the surfer who Johnny chases after has one of my favourite scenes where he doesn't want to because he's in a tux. And, yeah, he's like, you know, this is Dolce. I don't yeah. want to set it on fire. Um, and in the process gets carried into space and has his powers yeah. screwed with. Not turned off, they're still there. And, and gets dropped from space and manages to save himself by flaming on for about 10 seconds bit, yeah. before smashing into the ground. And that's... In the it's, desert, no less. It's like those halo jumps that they covered in, I think it was Goldeneye, James Bond, where they talk about, you know, you, you, you know, release your shoe at the last second and hope you don't break all your bones. And That's it's kind of like that. It's the equivalent. He has a little bit of flame at the last second and doesn't break all his bones. And, you know, he lands in sand, which we know he's notoriously soft if you land in it from... <laughs> A great height, yeah, if you land yeah, it for thousands of miles above the... I mean, yeah, what gets me is that I think that they leave Earth's atmosphere before he drops it back. And I'm like, he's dead. He's just, he's just yeah, dead. It's, not, it's not that he's cold, he's dead. This, he's dead. You've killed Johnny Storm, and the rest of yeah. this film is, you know, incidental at this point, because... <laughs> Pretty much, he's, he's gone. There's the, I mean, the idea that, I mean, I know he's got, you know, he is literally human fire, but still, I don't think that gives you the ability to survive in space. I, Maybe I, I'm wrong, but, I, you know. I so wish Stanley had gone with a different way with the name and called him human fire. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Just before I forget about this, I'm going to introduce my first... Um, fantastic fashion segment for this which is that at the bachelor party which we skirted over earlier um johnny is dressed as david tennant as doctor who he's he's got the open collared purple shirt the pinstripe suit the kind of flicky up hair because he's grown his hair out between films he looks all right he does yeah (laughs) yeah If, if chris evans ever wanted to cosplay as David Tennant's doctor, I think he can pull it off. It works. I I do wonder if you know the the costume people knew this, or it was just. I like to think the costume people were that geeky that they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do this." I would hope. Yeah, yeah. it seems like a small ask, but who knows? Um, so so back to the plot. After what, being dropped, after yeah. being dropped to his death, Johnny then explains what happened and that he fought a silver man on a surfboard. And of course, yeah. then Reed goes, "So this silver surfer." Yeah. It's like, "Good job, Reed. Thank you." Um, and basically, from there, the, the the plot becomes Johnny's powers don't work for about five minutes. That's the plot. Is yeah, it's he, very he, pretty. He swaps powers with uh, Sue by accident, so he turns invisible and she's on fire. Which is just an excuse to get Jessica Alba naked, because like, it, again. If we've learned anything from the Fantastic Four films, it is 
that all roads lead to Jessica Alba naked. There has to be a scene there. And I mean, this is the thing, like, we've had her in her, her underwear before, but no, this time, completely naked, guys. Completely naked. Because clothes burn, even yeah. though surely she should be in the little invisible outfit thing that they all wear under their clothes all the time. Yeah, the only one that we actually... We see Johnny wears it underneath, because obviously when he burned off his expensive suit, he wasn't naked. And we see Reed with it on, I think, when he's doing the sensor thing, when he should be wearing, you know, getting ready for the wedding. Yeah. I assume Ben just wears it because... But the only one that we don't have any honest proof is Sue. Isn't that strange? Really weird. Yeah, Can't it, think why. What the denominating factor is there? It's such a weird little detail, isn't it? Isn't but... it? Somehow, despite knowing that should she suddenly burst into flame, and yeah. <laughs> or if she needs to turn invisible, she'll have to take all of her clothes off. Yeah. Wherever she is. Yeah. I, again, I I referred to the decision to find a way to get Jess Crowder in her underwear in the previous one as a very 2005 decision. I maintain that this is a very 2007 decision. I agree. Um. And it's not, not a good decision either. It's really not a good choice. We, we also see seconds later the thing and Johnny swap powers, which somehow Johnny's hair isn't affected by. I'm not sure. He... This is, yeah, this is what I don't understand. It's, I mean, the thing is, is Michael Chiklis does not have any hair, bless him. Yeah. So maybe if he did have hair, the thi- but it doesn't make any sense because literally every part of the thing becomes rock-like. So surely he'd have, like, little spiky pebbly hair. You would think, yeah, but no. apparently not. And this is... It's not lost on me that this is the second film in a row where we find an excuse to show Michael Chiklis not as the thing after establishing that he is the thing. <laughs> um, yeah. And it wasn't very well explained in the previous film, and it's... <laughs> It's just random. Hey, look, they can swap powers now. Inst- instantaneous magic in this yes. one. Yeah, I've just had another thought actually. When he like having hair on Johnny and having him in that latexy awful suit, it would have been way easier to not have the hair. Practically to make to, him up. To add the hair as a to- wig into <laughs> the Exactly. I got nothing. What's the point? Um <laughs> Like that entire scene. What's the point aside from hey yeah. comedy? Because look, 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 they've, they've switched now, and 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 Ben's a person again, and yeah, it's hilarious. While we're on comedy, the first the first film is quite funny. It is. There are moments that I genuinely found amusing. I I would argue that's not the case with this film. No, the moments I find funny are not meant to be funny. They are when I'm just laughing at the general production values or the absolute ridiculousness of what I'm seeing. It's, you know, I'm I'm laughing during several of the big set pieces because it's just that stupid rather than laughing at, you know, stuff that's meant to be laughed at because it's a joke, people. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of things that aren't meant to be funny. Yeah. So, at the end of the first film, Victor Von Doom is shipped <laughs> back to his mansion in Latveria. Yep. 
we see in this film that he's in Latveria, in his mansion, still frozen after his defeat in the previous film, still in the shipping like container. yeah they didn't even bother not, to not in the shipping it. container but still in, in his pa- in his packaging so he's mint yeah. he's mint in box <laughs> um and as the surfer passes by for some reason his mere presence in the atmosphere is enough to wake up Victor von doom yeah and due to that for a, a groundbreaking like two minute scene we actually get scarred Victor von doom who has to have all this armor peeled off of him because it's with a yeah with like a torch yeah a well yeah. torch that yeah and it's all so all the armor has to be prized off of him so he's all scarred and disfigured and damaged which is how we see doom in the comics yep however after a, a brief little showdown with the surfer he's fine he yeah he gets blasted by the surfer's power cosmic to get technical here yeah um which vaporizes him into an ice cave somehow and then puts him back yeah. together again and throws skin back yeah so his his whole shtick about the metal kind of being inside him ice fine now and <laughs> he's just as attractive as he was before yeah except his hair looks really off yeah, sexy Von Doom is back, but the hair's not working <laughs> for it. Of, no, I think he went to the same wig place as Jessica Alba. I'm not sure, but it just doesn't look right. <laughs> Jessica Alba, I I like Jessica Alba as an actor, and the, these films aren't necessarily the reason for that, I think. Um, <laughs> if anything, it's despite these films. But whilst it was noticeable in the first film that she was wearing, you know, freakishly blue contacts and her hair had been dyed blonde, the fact that it's freakishly blue, noticeable contacts and a blonde wig in this is incredibly distracting because I don't know. It just, there's something with like her skin tone and the the color of wig and the color of the contacts that are just, Oh, it's all wrong. And it is. It, it's it is not her fault wrong. at all. She, she, Jessica Alba can't help that she doesn't look like Sue Storm. But the the wig and the contacts don't make her look any more like Sue Storm. I if think anything, it, they make her look like someone who thought one day, you know what, I really want to be Sue Storm, so I'll put on this terrible wig and blue contacts. It's It, it begs the question... Would people have been so upset if in the second film Sue was brunette? Well, this is it. I don't know. It's this slavish. Maybe it's the time because like now they don't have to. I can accept someone who doesn't really look like the person in the comics in the adaptation because they don't always. You can do the bait as long as they're wearing the right costume. But I feel like they were so slavishly. Sue must be blonde and head and blue eyed but then i think you didn't do any of that with johnny because johnny is yeah should be extremely blonde yeah and chris evans is not he infamously wore a hairpiece to play steve rogers to give him that dirty blonde look um but you've not done any this is what's buggy like chris evans you've not touched like he doesn't have to wear a stupid wig you've not dyed his hair 
You've done nothing to make him look more like comic book Johnny Storm. And yet, you've forced Jessica Albert into a blonde wig and blue contacts. Like, what is your logic here? I, I feel very much like they they needed her to look like comic book Sue, so she needed to be blonde with blue eyes, even though I couldn't give less of a damn what colour no. Sue Storm's eyes are. really doesn't matter to me. And... But she also had to be Jessica Alba because it was 2005. Mm. And, you know, there, there were only a handful of actors that they would have wanted for that role. and They would have wanted to see naked. I, unfortunately. And it, it's bad because I can see, like, the exact casting choices that were probably put forward. And it was probably Jessica Alba, Scarlett Johansson, Kate yeah. Beckinsale, yeah. Kira Knightley, all these, like mid-2000s, yeah. relatively young at the time. And it's like, I, I, I can tell exactly who they would have suggested to play Sue Storm, despite the fact that none of them really fitted the description of the character from the comics. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, but they'll have to be blonde. Whereas with Johnny, it's like, yeah, who, who cares? He's just Johnny, you know? Yeah. He's just Chris everyone's, Evans. like, yeah. he's everyone's top two favourite member of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, it doesn't matter what we... Which... Makes, and I'm sure we will at one point talk about Fanforstic, the 2015 film. But Only I a matter remember, of time. But that's what got me, was there was so much backlash to, oh my God, a black Johnny Storm. And still, still Sue Storm was stuck in a terrible blonde wig. Yeah. What I is feel. this about? <laughs> it's, I just, I feel like studios need to make a call between... Right, do you want the actress that you want or do you want an actor that is blonde? Which do you want? A- yeah. Actor that you want or actor that's blonde? Just just choose. It, it's one. okay. Stop putting people in wigs when they clearly are going to be frustrated about this. Because Jessica Alba dyed her hair for the first film, right? She did, yeah. And clearly didn't want to do that again. Yeah. So who cares? Just... Yeah, just have a brunette. It's not gonna. It's not gonna break continuity because it's two years later, and it looked dyed. It looked like dyed blonde hair in the first one. So yeah, yeah. two years later, she's like, you know what? I've just, I've just stopped dyeing my hair. It's fine. Just let it but, grow. But we would we have had that outrage in two thousand and five if we'd if if she'd been brunette, would people have been flying off the handle like you know that's not my Sue Storm, my Sue Storm's blonde with blue eyes and <laughs> hashtag not my Sue. Um, <laughs> I don't know because we didn't have Twitter in two thousand and five, did we? No, and Those in many ways it was times. an easier time. We didn't have Facebook. Would have people have been outraged on MySpace? I, <laughs> I need to know. I know I was getting outraged on MySpace in 2005, but about very different things. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there would have been... And I think this is the thing, is if they had been braver then about breaking the mould a little bit in a time where you wouldn't have had all that social media backlash. Yeah. Even the basic thing of let Sue Storm be brunette, then, I don't know, audiences would have had far longer to get used to the idea of, hey, a comic book adaptation doesn't have to be exact. We can change things. We don't have to cast these people. We're casting a character, not a look. And maybe the world would be a happier place now because audiences would be used to the fact that, you know, well, all right, so Sue Storm's not blonde. 
cool, whatever. <laughs> they, they would be used to it because yeah. back back in the day, there would have been no outlet for rage. There wouldn't have been hundreds of clickbait articles like, oh my God, Fantastic Four ruined forever because Sue's got brown hair. And, you know, you didn't have that. So, you know, audiences then, audience expectation, people may have matured. Probably not because people yeah, are people. Not, probably still. not because, you know, pop culture and gatekeeping and fandom. But maybe life would have been better if they'd have had a brunette Sue Storm. I, I am inclined to agree. I think it would have prepared people for, you know, all the outrage they've had in the years since and it would have probably just disarmed it a little bit if it's like, hey, we can make subtle changes and it's fine. Nobody really cares. It's just it's just comics, man. Get over it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be. I mean, and the other thing is, look what they did to Galactus in this film. Look what they did to Victor yeah, Von Doom I mean... in this film. There's plenty of ways to be outraged. I don't give a flying whatever about I... the main four. Let them look how they look. So I mean... You know, we will undoubtedly come back to fan outrage about this film later in this podcast. Oh, yes, we shall. But I, I think people are largely outraged about the wrong things. But that's <laughs> just going to put that on the table. We'll we'll carry on though. We'll so, carry on. Yeah. So this is a sequel, and as we've already yeah. acknowledged, as it's a sequel, you have do start doing this weird globe trotting adventure don't you you have yeah, to it's, it's like a yeah. legal requirement of the second film so yeah. they they start somewhere and we see a little bit of japan and we see a little bit of uh egypt and we see a little bit of you know la and little, little bits and um basically they discover that your friend of mine the silver surfer is yeah digging endlessly deep craters to the center of the earth yeah around the globe and using maths yeah don't know what maths they discover cosmic maths cosmic maths yeah they discover that the next cosmic crater is going to be in london (laughs) near the thames not not near the thames in the thames in the thames um with a view that's going to be great from the London Eye, of course, which um, yeah starts to fall into this crater because apparently that's how craters work. I don't. It, it, they affect. <laughs> I mean, it's a common problem with Ferris wheels that if you're <laughs> digging a hole near a Ferris wheel, you're going to end up in trouble. It's the basic principle there. It's it's physics. I'm sure someone's written a paper on it. Um, you know, if you have a wheel of some sort that people travel on and there's a hole nearby, it will break. It's just a correlation. So, <laughs> so luckily, the Fantastic Four turn up um, a little bit too late. The crater's already been dug. And... The, Thames, the Thames is gone. That's that's another thing that bugs me. Is like, Hey, the Thames isn't gone until the end. <laughs> there's no river. T- it's all gone in the hole. There's a massive hole. Which Mr. begs begs the question surely that that would suggest all the water on earth has gone into that hole pretty much yeah and destroyed the planet because it's molten yeah. core plus earth's water i can only assume is bad for us i've heard yeah um 
Because, yeah, for the Thames to be completely dry, surely the water from the channel then would come into the Thames and yeah. in this kind of endless cycle where the water doesn't stop. No. <laughs> you can't, no. like, oh, man. But physics in the process, the London Eye starts to fall over. Yeah, because as, big as we've mentioned. And Reed manages to wrap himself around it for some reason and Ben's kind of holding it up, and Sue's doing the whole force field thing, and Johnny goes, nah, not me. I'm getting that surfer, damn it. And decides yeah. to fly, not around or above the wheel, but directly at Through it, yes. And, yeah, and in the middle of a rescue attempt where people are going to die, just flies into reed switches powers with him except he doesn't does he reed is on fire for like 10 seconds but then yeah, and then he's fine and johnny's just johnny's just sort of like a puddle of elastic person on the floor <laughs> um oh, i love that i've written in my notes just is that how rivers work <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's really not <laughs> so the the rescue attempt is somehow successful despite Johnny's Well this is it. So jackassiveness. Yeah. So <laughs> Ben's hold, that's it, jackassery. So Ben's holding the wheel up and then he's just holding the wheel up and it it takes Ben and Reed wrapping himself around like a giant elastic bungee cord band. And, and Sue doing that. And Sue doing that. And then suddenly reads out the picture, but it's fine. Ben can like totally just lift it back and put it just put it back. And then just he just rest it back where it's just rest it back where it is. Bit of fire. You know, weld it back together. It's fine. Um Sue's exerted herself because she's got a little bit of blood coming out of her nose and we know that's what happens when you force field yourself and That's right. If you use any kind of power for too long, your nose bleeds. Your nose bleeds, yeah. And then all, all's well and all's fine, apart from the fact that there is now no water on Earth uh, in the oceans. <laughs> That's but what gets me is all that water's rushed in. The boats are fine. The boats are just where they were. Yeah, it's just that they've just reached the bottom of the, the Thames. As <laughs> if that, that was, that's the issue, that if it's all the water... water no one's died. No one's been pulled into this endless pit in the yeah. middle of London. Um. No casualties. It's like the A team. Everyone's fine. <laughs> Everyone's okay. Um, yeah, including the guy that very he was very nearly in trouble there because he was in the little London. Are they called pods? The things on the yeah, Londoner? I think they're pods. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like in the back of the pod and he's scrabbling, and then yeah, it's fixed and it's okay, and he can run out and he can hug his family on what is clearly a green screen. It's not, there is so much bad green screen work in that scene. It's like watching The Phantom Menace. It's all over the place. There is so many moments where clearly you're not anywhere near the London Eye. That's a green screen. Yeah. And yeah, that family reunion, I'm like, yeah, you just taking a picture of the London Eye there and just pasted it on the background. It's photoshopped. Um, yeah, the production values. Considering this was $40 million more, where did those $40 million go? I want to know, because it wasn't on the special effects. Casting two actors to do one job. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so, yeah, it, oh, it's a whole thing with the London Eye. And I feel like this is the scene that tries hardest to be the bridge scene from the first film. Yes. With far less success. <laughs> Yeah, and you've got all that bit before when they're in the helicopter, when they're actually flying to the scene, where we have to get the 
domestic arguments in. So yeah. there they are having a really unprofessional argument, and the army people are just like, "What? What is? What even is you this?" Yeah, just shush for five minutes, and then you know, so you have this unprofessional fight in the helicopter and then hey look yeah we've saved everybody so we're actually okay when we work as a team we can save people except we didn't work as a team because johnny was a jackass <laughs> <laughs> um which is it so it's an it's an interesting kind of progression from i, I say interesting in the lightest possible way <laughs> so after the thing with the london eye sue and reed Christ, I just forgot who he is. So Sue and Reed yeah. go with the army guys to have a chat about what comes next. Yeah. Which is the official reintroduction of Sexy Von Doom. Yes. Um, all new, all different. <laughs> well, yeah, so, so Julian McMahon returns and, you know, this is the part of the film they've paid him to be in and not just someone else they can cover in scarred prosthetics. And he, <laughs> yeah. he basically goes, I have a plan. And his plan yeah. is, you get the surfer off the board, man. Because I videoed yeah. him, him blasting me through a wall. And I know that the problem here is that the power comes from the board because I videoed it. It's like, yeah. and, and your video what? It can scan everything. It's a video camera, man. Get over yourself. I have so many questions about him even doing that. So, A, where was the video camera? Because that was not in the wide shot of that scene. No. I don't know if it was like a little drone. I don't know, maybe. But the other thing is, is there's clearly audio on that video because you hear the surfer go, all that you know is at an end, blast you into snowdrift. But immediately prior to that moment, Von Doom's like, so, you, you want to team up? We could take over the world. And I'm like, so did Victor edit the audio out prior to yeah. that bit? Or did, I mean, it's a very small clip. And like you say, that the yeah, so the power comes up for his boards. How do you know this? If you literally just have those seconds of all that you know is at an end, blast. That's not really telling you much. Or did he, in fact... Um, did he in fact sort of just edit out the audio prior to that and it just looks like he's standing staring at the surfer for like a really long time <laughs> it's it's a good question and i feel like the more likely answer is plot holes <laughs> through to the center of the earth that's how yeah oh god yeah um because I, I don't think they ever considered that and that because they only just show us that last little bit and just go this is fine this is this is yeah. great. Um, yeah, it is real lazy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and from there, we basically see that Reed and Victor start working on devices to separate the surfer from his board. Yeah. Or more accurately, Reed works on that device, which appears to be just a bunch of glass spheres on tripods. Pretty much with a thing that you stick in the top. Because tachyons are magic. Yeah, he's going to use a tachyon pulse, which... I mean, okay, suspension of disbelief is firmly locked in, but let's just acknowledge that tachyons are purely theoretical particles. <laughs> um, they exist in Star Trek, therefore they yeah, must they, be real. They exist anytime someone wants to time travel or do something in space. Yeah. But 90% of the time, they're like... Not real. 
Oh, by 90%, I mean all of the time. All of the time, yeah. There's no proof they exist. Unless you're Reed Richards or Star Star Trek, you know? Yeah. Um, And it's not really explained what that means or how it will work, but Victor and Reed very much agree that it will work. Yeah. Um, And and while Reed works on his tachyons... (laughs) Yeah. Um we see that Victor is actually working on just a little wrist-mounted LED system yeah. that looks like a morpher from the like Power Rangers, I think it was it Lost does. Galaxy kind yes. of era. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and that's his plan. He is going to use his little Power Rangers morpher to steal the board somehow once it's off the surfer, or the surfer is off the board, yeah. accurately. Um I mean, there are there are so many questions with that. Like, how does he know what will control essentially a cosmic surfboard? Because he has a video of he has a, surfboard. He has a two-second video where some power comes up from the surfboard and is fired at him by the silver surfer. And it that, obviously that gives you the schematics for a very complicated control system. Clearly. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I know he's meant to be a really clever scientific genius, but there's genius and then there's whatever the hell that is, because that's a level beyond. Like Reed Reed can own Reed, who is the you know, who boasts that he's, you know, like the cleverest boy in school. You know, (laughs) basically. He can only come up with tachyon pulse to separate from board. Like Reed the genius doesn't come up with like, well, what do we do after that? Like, you know, yeah, we yeah. separate everyone. What happens next? Reed doesn't think of that. Victor's like, it's all right. I'll 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 make something for myself so I can control the board. Pretty much. Yeah, he just yeah. leaves Reed to his tachyon pulse and leaves, essentially, to dick around in a spare room. Yeah. Spare rooms that I must acknowledge are definitely the same set as the Baxter building. Yeah, clearly they are. <laughs> yeah. Despite... We've just, we just changed the lighting so you don't notice. It's totally yeah. in Europe. It's totally Europe, people, because the lights are lower in Europe. That's true. Very true. <laughs> and they basically somehow, uh, please tell me if you know, somehow figure out where the surfer's going to go next. I assume because of the, the, the maths. Oh, yeah, the so, cosmic maths. The cosmic maths. So he, the last hole was in... The Thames. So, obviously, the next hole will be in the Black Forest in Germany because those two things are very similar. Sure. Why why the (laughs) hell not? Um, So, so yeah, they they set off to the Black Forest and start setting up these tachyon baubles. (laughs) Globes. Yeah, tachyon globes with the intention of separating the surfer from his... His board. board. So. Um, in quite a weird scene, though, that there's no call for. Stop me if I'm wrong, but they arrive with the army and with Victor and the whole, you know, yeah. shebang. And uh, General Hager, Captain Holt, to you and me, yeah. um, says, you know, ah, this is my show. I'm the quarterback, and you're 
the rest of my team because I guess quarterbacks run American football. I don't know. I don't really know American I, football. I didn't think no. quarterbacks were in charge, but whatever. Um, I, didn't, I didn't think so. I thought they were just the ones who was, they ran with the ball. That's right. That's That was my understanding. Yeah. If anyone in America is listening at the moment, <laughs> I, I just want you to know that literally years and years of quarterbacks being featured in American television has still not been informative about what no. the game of American football involves. No. There's a Just... lot of men in padding and helmets and they run at each other and, and it takes the forever. quarterback's definitely important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can probably guess and speculate at some of the other positions in the team, but you've never... American TV has never explained the game. They've just assumed no. everybody knows. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, spoiler, there are definitely people in America that do not know. Yes. Just like there are people yeah. in England that don't understand football. Yeah. That's, yeah. They exist. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> problems with the NFL aside, um, <laughs> General Hagel, you know, lay, lays down the law that you're going to do what he says and Reed calls him out on it in what should be like this kind of badass nerd moment where he like pulls yeah. rank and he's like, no, nah, I was a good little nerd and I know all the things and I do all the stuff and you're going to do what I say. But he kind of strips strips it down from being this badass Reed Richards moment yeah. by going, and I'm engaged to the hottest girl in the world. And it's like, that's not really significant to what's going <laughs> yes. on in this plot here, Reed. And that that kind of kind of insulting to sue and it's very insulting to sue it's like you know her entire value is she's the hot chick <laughs> it's and... like yeah not like and i'm engaged to a brilliant woman who you know and we work you know and we have helped she has helped me come up with this you know no credit to her she's yeah. hot dude that's literally her that's literally her yeah. and it's just like and johnny and ben are also here <laughs> Yeah. And the it's yeah, it, it kind of starts like it's gonna be this badass Reed standing up for himself moment and then declines to oh god, Reed, shut up, man. You just Yeah, just you're making the side look bad. Get off get off my side. This is this is probably the best moment to segue into this. At the start of the first film, yep. Sue Storm was a scientist. She was in charge of scheduling shuttles also. Amongst other things, yeah. She was the chief something something about something else. Yes, I, I, genetics and gene- geneticist or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she was a just yeah, <laughs> And yet in this film, Sue basically seems to know nothing about science. She props up Reed. But hey, she wears glasses, so that's she's yeah, smart. She wears right. glasses, yeah. Um, and I, I can't help but feel like Sue, through both of these films, is a character that they make whatever they need her to be. Yeah. And what they needed her to be in this film was not in this film. Yes. So... They- she- Oh, no, no, no. They want her to be the emotional, and it doesn't work, and we'll probably get into why it doesn't work, but that whole connection she has with the Silver Surfer, she's the reason that he suddenly changes his mind and becomes a good guy and all that because of this emotional connection. But then I'm like, but what you actually did was, hey, she reminds him of his wife. 
And I'm like, so not really, not really. You want her to have this emotional connection and this emotional core and to be the one who's able to talk him round and, you know, tell him yeah. to help our world and all that. But the only reason that he's listening to her is, hey, because she's hot like his wife. I mean, that's the subject <laughs> involved here. It's it doesn't I, it doesn't help. I think what makes that and we'll get onto that whole "Hey, you remind me of my wife" thing. But Johnny, yeah, has a thing with the surfer. He yeah is nearly murdered by the surfer, but survives because of luck. He pursues the surfer and crashes into Reed in London. He intrinsically, that's right, yeah. intrinsically, intrinsically, big words, makes the most sense to have a connection to the surfer. Yes, he does. Because he he's the only does. one who's interacted with the surfer. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one of the many plot threads that doesn't get, resolved doesn't get threaded <laughs> no it doesn't get i mean they have that bit at the end but it doesn't like you say that there is a connection made really early on like the first character to interact with the surfer as a surfer is johnny when they have that spectacular let's have a really exciting chase through the streets and tunnels of manhattan and such and that's really interesting and and they're the ones that sort of looked at each other they've stared each other in the eye yeah. And yet you completely drop that ball in favour of, hey, Johnny's got a crush on that army lady. Oh, do not get me started on that army lady that's, and the crush. And... She could g- g- please cut her out of this entire film because there is literally no point to her existence in this film. Um, but yeah, so you could have had something really interesting with Johnny and the surfer and you, no. <laughs> I assume because it's 2007... I mean, we're in 2020 now, and I don't think it would happen now, but it's like, no, we have to go to the common denominator that unites all human beings, which is heterosexuality. And this yeah, is correct, yes. That's where <laughs> we're going with it. And it's like, yeah, because heaven forbid that, you know, there might be an emotional connection between a guy and the guy who tried to kill him. You know, people might read into that or something. How tragic. No, no, dead wife. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or not or not dead wife. She's it's not, not very dead. clear. It's not yeah. clear. It's not clear at all. Um so okay, so so we're in the woods. <laughs> we're in the woods. We've gone it, into the woods. And in this car crash of a scene. It's awful. Reed stands up for himself, kinda sort of maybe not very well. And somehow yeah, gets it, to go and set up his tachyon pulses. Yeah. As Sue's setting up hers, the, the final one, obviously, mm. the surfer rocks up doing some sweet tree bending kind yes. of math. He's um, actually a tree bender. They didn't mention that in, in Avatar, but there were tree benders. There were tree benders, There yeah. were tree benders. Um, and, and he comes rocking up, and she's all like, oh, man. It's kind of, you know what it reminds me of? You know that bit in Ghostbusters where um, Venkman is like, Ray, he's here, Ray. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, the, you know, then Slimer gets him. It's that kind of vibe where it's like, Reed, he's here, Reed. Reed. He's here. He's here. He's, he's looking right at me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, rather than getting slimed by the Silver Surfer. <laughs> 
Oh, that's an that unpleasant an image. image. That is an I'm image. so sorry. And he basically, you know, has a bit of a chat with her. Yeah. <laughs> of, of no real consequence. <laughs> and it's never it's never answered why he just decides to chat to her. No. Like, like you you tried to kill her brother. I mean, admittedly he was chasing you, but dude, you 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 were outrunning him. You were completely outrunning him. All you had to do was go into space. He can't follow you into space. Um, but yeah, you. why you chat to... And also, why is Sue the one that's like... She's the last one to get her tachyon pulse generator. Because she's the girl, isn't it? Because she's the girl. Like <laughs> ben has really, that... it should be Ben who has giant rock fingers. Exactly. He's not very dexterous. And also, he gets interrupted by a bear. A bear that oh, doesn't... Yeah. Ex- yeah, a bear that doesn't exist in the Black Forest, point of fact, because there aren't any bears in the Black Forest, apart from that one called Bruno, who's in the news many years ago. But And also there are no grizzly bears. That's clearly not a European brown bear. So anyway, he gets interrupted by <laughs> a North American grizzly bear in woods that don't have any. And you would have thought that would distract him and he wouldn't have done his tachyon thing. But no, it's, it's Sue who gets distracted by, I assume she gets distracted because he's a hot dude on a surfboard. That's what I'm. That's what I get from that. Don't scene. we all? Yeah, uh, I, know. I I just want to point out that I think people thought we were going to be outraged about Galactus, and I think the real outrage here is that it's the wrong kind of bear in Germany. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's that's my level. We'll get on to Galactus, <laughs> but there's so much more to be outraged about, like Sue's blonde wig and the fact that <laughs> Silver Surfer just rocks up and chats to her and stares at her. Now, and it would have made so much more sense to have that be... The more I think about it now, the more I think it would have made so much more sense for it to be Johnny, because... Yeah, it just makes good sense. It just makes good sense. Um, Damn you, Tim I, I, I'm still not going to give it away yet, but even now, <laughs> the grizzly bear, the um, blonde wig... Neither of these are uh, my visual Ooh. choice that upsets me the most. So we're not there yet. Um, it's don't be wrong. It's a constant thing throughout the film, and that <laughs> makes it worse. But <laughs> so the army decide that because the tachyons aren't ready and the surfers there, let's just fire some rockets at him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which obviously goes horribly, and he eventually gets detached from his board. Yeah, uh, as Sue decides to ignore the chat they've just had and slam that tacky on. Yeah, his... it's Ooh. like Sue. So you made this. You had Sue make this connection with him and talk to him and all the rest of it, and then oh yeah, she just turns around and you know blasts him with a tacky on pulse. It's like, and he's still gonna trust her, is he? Okay, <laughs> right. Fine, bad choice. I could, but if it was Johnny, I could believe it more because he has yeah. that prior. This dude tried to kill me, but Sue, you don't have that. You just you had a chat with him, and you were getting somewhere, and then someone fired a rocket, so you thought, "Hey, I should try this tachyon thing." <laughs> and in in firing the tachyon thing, we are treated to a little break in the extremely reflective graphic. Of the Silver Surfer. He turns grey. He turns grey. And it's at this point that you realise just how much 
the the special effects of making someone shiny and silver have not developed between Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I would and, say they were better in parts of Terminator 2 <laughs> Judgment Day. I'm just going to throw that out there. I, I think you could be correct. Mm. Um, especially when there are scenes in this where he morphs into his surfboard <laughs> and yes. through the surfboard and things like that. And I feel like they are more natural in in Judgment Day, which I think yep. might not be I, a good thing. <laughs> I think because we don't, they never define what the surfboard's made out of, which I get, but they never define how... In the real world, as someone who's doing the visual effects, they haven't defined how that reacts as a real-world substance. Whereas in Terminator 2, we know it's a metal, and we know that it's a metal that morphs, so it has rules. So when we see it do things, it's working on internal physics of a sort, whereas that's just, well, it's cosmic, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. When... when when it's a metal and we know that it's a liquid metal and that's how it behaves, it's got this whole uh, fluid dynamics kind of backbone when it's eh, weird space stuff. It's yeah. kind of left vague enough that no one actually does the work. Yeah. <laughs> and in in being separated and being more grey. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so dull. It's like silver that no one's polished for ages. Yeah. I just feel like if you got some good silver polish on him, he'd be fine. You could, you could <laughs> buff that yeah, right out. Buff that up, yeah. Um, you go silvery. He just looks like he's been oxidized. So after that, everybody is held prisoner by the army. <laughs> the fantastic. <laughs> In Siberia, this is what really, this is another point of annoyance, Siberia. Despite (laughs) being the US military. (laughs) Yes. Apparently, they have a base in Siberia that the Russian government's totally cool with them bringing an alien and an alien surfboard and four super-powered people to. That's cool. Because it even says in big letters, Siberia. And I'm like, look. (laughs) There are European countries that have cold places that might be a little bit more friendly and happy for the US to actually do this. But no, Siberia, which is in Russia, which traditionally does not enjoy Americans messing about with aliens on its soil. What What else just means? I think what makes this worse is, based on everything we've been told in the previous two films... How? How are we not in Latveria? <laughs> yeah, how how was the hall not in Latveria? How was the, oh, the forest not in Latveria? And you can have whatever kind of bear Victor Von Doom decides is there. How, it, would be a, it would be a cyborg bear, obviously. Well, yeah. Yeah, Doom how, bear. For just logistical ease of saying whatever you want and no one being able to do what we're doing right now, why not just put it all in Latveria at this point? Yeah. Because if you're in Central Europe edging towards Eastern Europe, you're in Doom territory. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're right there. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Um, That's a missed opportunity. And that would then make more sense for him, like, having the surfboard or, you know, hey, guys, why don't we go to my special facilities just over the hill there in Latveria? Let's go there. 
and then I can more easily steal things. Yeah, that that would scan a lot better for who Victor Von Doom is. Yeah. But instead, he's just going to murder the... Yeah. (laughs) Just going to murder some of the army to steal a surfboard while Sue Storm has a chat with the surfer while the rest of the Fantastic Four are locked in a room trying to get some DVDs as a distraction. There is a lot. There is so much to unpack in just the very... So, first of all, so they distract the guard and say, we want some DVDs. But they're on camera. So, does the camera not pick up Sue Storm going invisible? Does the camera not pick up the fact that I can now only see three members of what is traditionally known as the Fantastic Four? There's only three of them. And yet, is anyone even monitoring the feed from that camera? Apparently not, because no one seems to notice. And then somehow she manages to sneak in because handily they're leaving the Silver Surfer after the... And also torture, really. Mm, They're the bad guys because torture. Um, And then he basically does an impression of a Teletubby. I'm glad you got to that before I said it because it was going to kill me. Yeah. (laughs) It's my mum that pointed out. She said, oh, look, he's like a Teletubby. (laughs) He's basically showing... Yeah. This is Galactus on his, and I mean, how does what powers does he have without the surfboard? Apparently, he does have them because he can, you know, show you a little film on his stomach. Um, so he does have some powers outside of the surfboard, none that would be practical to use for an escape. But hey, I can show you some, I can show you some images. Um, it's it's so weird. And then apparently he trusts her, even though she blatantly betrayed him earlier when they were having a nice chat. Because she looks like his wife. Yeah. But apparently. it's like, you could have, like, loosened his bonds. You could have, like, Done you know, anything. Done something practical to prove to him that, you know, you're not this, on the same team as the people who've imprisoned him and tried to torture him but you don't bother. And also, how did you get in? Did you walk through the wall? So did you walk through the wall? Also, we see in this that she can kind of project onto a wall that that piece of wall is invisible. Yeah. Which I don't feel like we ever see any evidence of before or after this. No, we don't. One thing that bothered me as well, whilst Silver Surfer is kind of doing his, you know, Teletubby act and showing, you know, this... Uh, presentation slideshow what you want of (laughs) how he's got to this point and you know I'm a bit disappointed we don't get like the record scratch you know (laughs) freeze frame um wow I know what you're thinking how did I get here (laughs) um yes he he does his full backstory and while he's explaining Galactus came to my planet and I agreed to be his herald because if I was his his herald, he wouldn't eat my planet, but I wouldn't be on my planet. I'd be a silver surfer, apparently. Um, He keeps going back and forth on if Galactus is an it or a he. Yeah, he doesn't... It it doesn't... Yeah, (laughs) there's very little... And the thing is, is he he does his backstory, but he never explains, like, A, why Galactus needs a herald. Yep. (laughs) B... Did he have a herald before the Silver Surfer? Because presumably he found the Silver Surfer's home planet. 
somehow. Did he just rock up one day and go, you know what? I'm bored of having to seek out these planets to come and suck the life out of. What I need is someone to do it for me. Do you want the job? And I'll save you. All right, then. Yeah, here, have a cool surfboard. <laughs> um, so none of it. We get we get just enough exposition for Galactus, Herald, Silver Surfer, Planet, but no actual logic as to how that relationship even works. No. And he does seem... It is unclear whether Galactus is even sentient. It's like half the time he's referring to Galactus as like almost this sort of beast that just comes along and sucks the life out of things. And then other times almost like a godlike being that comes along and so it's like, so what is Galactus aside from a space cloud? Um, Because I can forgive the space cloud slightly if there was more logic as to, we got an impression of what Galactus is as a being. Is it an it, a he? Does it think? Does it not? Is it sentient? Is it not? How? What thought processes does Galactus operate on? Because we never hear Galactus speak. No, and I think that's part of the problem when Galactus yes. does appear is it, it's not that Galactus is a cloud. It's not that, you know, it's not a traditional viewing of Galactus. I mean, it's the very difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult to have a giant man in a funny hat. It's very difficult yeah. to have that. But what what I think makes it very difficult is how undefined even the concept of Galactus is. Yeah. Um, and he, the fact that even his herald seems to just be like, oh, I don't really know, man. It's just, you know, he's, he's kind of this thing. Sometimes he's an it, sometimes he's a he. Sometimes he's a purple guy in a chair. Sometimes he's a cosmic cloud. The oh my god, I'm about to make a second Ghostbusters reference. Uh, you know that <laughs> Galactus can come in many forms. You know, yes. Someone has to choose the form Galactus takes. Mm. Um. So basically, there's quite a lot of comparisons between Ghost of the Destroyer and, and Galactus. Galactus the Devourer. And yeah, I feel like. <laughs> Goza is better defined as a character, which is slightly <laughs> worrying. Despite the fact that, yeah, Ghostbusters and Goza the Destroyer is this vague, almost nonsensical concept, makes more sense to me than Galactus does in this. Yes. Um, that, is, that is where we are with that. No idea how to feel. Um, no. So... God, there's still loads. There's still loads um, to complain about. So, Victor Von Doom steals the surfboard. Yes, with his magic Power Rangers wrist thingy. Yeah. Yeah, and vaporizes Captain Holt. Sorry, General Hager. Yeah, I mean, that is the thing is, is I look this up. This is a PG. That's a pretty brutal death for a PG film. Yeah, right. I mean, he literally like, ooh, his limbs get bits of him fly out. It's yeah, quite he horrendous. Shatters into pieces essentially. Yeah. 
And then later on, we see the remains of his corpse still frozen in place. Like when they come in and they're like, oh, no, Victor stole the surfboard. And oh, no, there's General Hager. What's left of him? <laughs> and it lingers on that shot for a while. I'm like, this is a PG. Yeah. Okay, right. then. I'm not sure about that. No. Uh, so it's at this point where a film that has already been incredibly indecisive about its main plot is essentially hijacked by Victor Von Doom. Yes. A character that hasn't appeared in most of the film. No. Um, his appearances have been fleeting and often uninformed. <laughs> yeah. Here he is wearing a cloak. Here he is looking ominous wearing a cloak. Here he is in the shadows wearing a cloak. Yeah, there's it, not a lot to say about his previous appearances. And he... Oh, God, I just don't even know how to describe this. So, <laughs> he decides that, you know... What? What does he decide? He's going to team up with Galactus? He's just going to run he's, rough shot with his he's surfboard? Gonna, yeah, he's going to use the surfboard to take over the world That's somehow. about to end. That's about to end. But he's been told by numerous people that the world's going to end. And it's like, yeah, still, I want to take over the world. So, And the Silver Surfer, who has now been revealed to be Norin Rad... I do um, love that name. Such a good name. Um, let's us know that in reality, we've only got a few hours. Yeah. So you should spend it with the ones you love. But instead, because Victor loves nothing more than he loves his omnipotent magic board that he's just come into possession of, yeah. he, he decides to just, you know, do some damage. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to run roughshod over this planet and, hey, look, let's have a tour of China. Yeah, inexplicably sets off to the Great Wall of China. And it's at this point where, fortuitously, we find out that earlier in the film, very much as a tie-in to that flight we see the Fantastic Four on, Reed has actually been developing the Fantastic Car. Yay! Now, for, for those of you at home who might not know... <laughs> oh, what what sad lives you've led up to this point. The the Fantastica is essentially this kind of four-seater nightmare vehicle that can yep. fly mm -hmm. and can also split up into four individual modules that can be piloted independently somehow. It's kind of like the opposite of Power Rangers. Yes. <laughs> In every regard. <laughs> and it's never really explained why the Fantastic Four would need this vehicle. And for some reason, it has a Dodge engine in it in this. Yes. In, in a, a strange bit of product placement that they could never follow through on. It's the weirdest product placement I've seen in many a film. And naturally, in that kind of classic, classic comic book sense... Reed manages to activate this from Siberia and it gets to them near instantaneously from the Baxter building in New York City. Yeah. Despite can... that being 12 hour flight, maybe? Yes. 
Oh, yeah, easily, easily. Although, I mean, of course, if you've not got any pe- if you've not got any passengers, you can go way faster, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Like planes could fly around the world in seconds if there was no one on them. That's right. You yeah. all, all that extra weight and you awesome. know needing to keep the yeah. people inside alive. <laughs> yeah, none Full of that. So, yeah. Reed summons up the fantastic car. Obviously, Johnny doesn't need it because he can fly, so the space for the which, surfer. Which is handy. Handy that suddenly his powers yeah. work relatively. Yeah. As if there was never a problem. And yeah. they they go to the Great Wall of China to show down against... Victor. Victor Von Doom. And the surfboard. And the surfboard, because he can fly now, obviously. Um, and they kind of, you know, tear it up all over China for some reason culminating in a fight on the streets of china in an yeah. unnamed city let's be honest yeah where victor produces a kind of cosmic spear that he throws at the surfer and oh sue, God, yeah. sue storm sacrifices herself to save the surfer and gets speared which then disappears in the next she, scene yeah she, it's almost like she makes it disappear but i'm like she doesn't do act, she doesn't have the power to actually destroy matter as far as i'm yeah. aware like there's that whole bit but about it she looks has like a, it goes invisible yeah so it's like that spot on her forehead way back during the, the wedding attempt that we see and she, she she stares in the mirror and she it disappears it's still there because she's like i've just got to concentrate on that area now for the next yeah. you know, 12 hours and I'm like, so is that what she's done with the spike? Is the spike still in there? What's going on? So if the spike's still in there, she's just going to be dead. And and it's just going to be awkward. And Reed's not going to be able to hold her like that because there's a spike in the way. might yeah. be invisible, but it's still there. And, and yet, it- mysteriously, what would have made more sense was if Reed had sort of ripped it out. And I know PG film... But, yeah, I, mean, I, I assume that's the thing that we can't yeah. we can't show the blood, so we can't have her stabbed, so it has to not be there. But uh, visually, it's bizarre because it yeah. looks like she turns it invisible, and it's still there. It, she does try and st- we should have mentioned this, but you know, hey, she she does try and stop the spear with a force field, but it can go through the force field, which we see earlier as the sur- she throws up a force field in the black forest, and the surfer just kind of comes through it anyway because ain't no stopping Norin Rad <laughs> and um, so yeah anything charged with the power cosmic of the surfboard can pass through yes force fields apparently I guess and that's the thing and she should have remembered that from earlier but she doesn't there we go and so she, you know, dies to save Norin Rad, and Johnny suggests that, hey, if you give me all of your powers, I think I can stop Doom. Yeah. We've we've stopped Doom before. I fought the Surfer. Yada yada yada. So he, you know, touches Ben and he gets rock hands, and he touches Reed, so he's stretchy, and his fire powers are fine. And I assume he has invisibility, but I can't remember. Yeah, he, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does because yeah. he sneaks up on on Von Doom to start with. Yeah. So and then so like who? He's like surprise, and then clobbering time, and look at the terrible special effects of trying to combine all the fantastic force powers in one yeah. person. 
so as we mentioned briefly earlier, he kind of takes on this super scroll essence. Pretty much, yeah. The fire and the stretching and the invisibility and the rock hands and goes toe to toe with Victor for not that long in reality because there's not that much film left. <laughs> no, we've got a race towards the climax. There's an ominous cloud on the horizon <laughs> called Galactus. He's on his way. We've got to wrap this stuff up with Victor. <laughs> So so they, you know, have their scuffle. Yeah, it's not really a fight, is it? It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's the second time that Victor Von Doom kind of looks like an idiot, despite <laughs> being a genius with superpowers. Yeah. He just kind of takes a bit of a beat in. Um, the surfer manages to reclaim his board. Victor falls into the sea. Yeah, Victor gets knocked into the sea, never to be heard from again. <laughs> and um, the surfer, and, and this is a real issue, brings Sue Storm back to life. Oh, yes. There is so much wrong with that. I mean, so she dies. She's actually dead. So what he's essentially doing is making her a zombie. Is what I'm going for. She's clearly dead. He brings her back to life somehow by making himself less shiny. This because, is correct. Because that's how cosmic powers work. Yeah, he, he just has some spots he needs to buff up again. But <laughs> Yeah, they'll be fine. It doesn't make... and I And the thing is, is Sue... Doing that heroic sacrifice didn't make sense. It was entirely pointless. Yeah, if, if you was... then bring her back from the dead, her heroic sacrifice is pointless <laughs> there is and no... trivial. Yeah. And I mean, uh... if, if you were you were going to have a showdown with Victor anyway, so why not have them try and fight Victor and fail, um, and then a metaphor for the fact they've been interviewed each other's throats throughout most of this film and that would be like no we need to work together remember how we defeated him before with you know the fire hydrant and stuff you know we did it by all working together and then maybe we do agree to give johnny all the powers and you know that it's not great but it's way better than what we got which was like sue's dying oh dear It, (laughs) it feels like more budget but less time ultimately led to them just bailing on this end sequence. Um, So the fight doesn't really flow correctly, and it kind of begs the question, like, how many members of the Fantastic Four actually needed to be in this film? Because (laughs) it's it's not four. It's not. (laughs) And especially, like, this end fight, Reed and Ben contribute nothing other than giving Johnny their powers. Hey, Ben gets into a crane and he, he swings a crane at Von yeah, and sends him to the sea. Reed does absolutely nothing apart from, you know, cry over Sue dying. Which, but... don't get me wrong, I, I understand and it's one of the few things that suggests Reed is a human that loves Sue Storm. It's the only time I actually believe he does because he's just, he's so awful to her for most, I mean, to be fair, she's awful to other people, but maybe that's because, you know, her fiance's a dick. 
Um, he just blanks on her constantly. Like that whole bit about when he gets the idea about the tachyon pulse, you know, she's giving him a massage, she's being supportive. I have my own issues about the fact that she's reduced <laughs> to the massaging girlfriend scenario. And then he's like, oh, yeah, pulse, thanks very much, bye. And it's yeah. just like, oh, right, so here she was trying to do something nice for you, and you're like, yeah, don't need you now, I've got an idea. I'm off to do the science. Bye. Um, it's one of the few times when she's actually dying slash dead that you think, oh, yeah, he does actually care about Sue. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Yeah, and... I just think there are so many issues with the relationship between the four members of the Fantastic Four. Reed and Sue, in particular, is, like, the least informed, understandable relationship. They're just... We see that increasingly through these films that Ben and Johnny are friends, really, and... Yeah, they have that whole whole sequence in the pub where Johnny sets the dartboard on fire. And I love that conversation. That might be the best scene in this film. That's not a good sign. No, but I would agree. Because there's actually some genuine... Because he's like, you know, I want what you have with Alicia. But not what you have with Alicia, because that's your girlfriend. And bless him, he's actually trying to say something that's actually vaguely, deeply emotional. something of value. And we also get the casual joke that the thing is drinking out of a vase. Yes. And, and things like that, that it's like, it, it adds very little to the film, but it adds a lot to them as, you know, essentially brothers. And yeah. I feel like that's a real disappointment. And it's a disappointment we had with the first film that we yeah. could get so much more from them as friends. Yeah. Because the little glimpses you get really do show up the terribleness of Reed and Sue's relations with literally every other person it's like you have given you you're actually trying you've got this really lovely little brotherly friendly relationship between ben and johnny that you're kind of actually doing something with this film albeit very very briefly but all it does is highlight how terrible everything else is yes and i think it just shows yeah shows how offsets the kind of human elements of the characters are yeah um, but unfortunately, we've still not talked about the end of the film. <laughs> no, we've been putting it off, but yeah, so, it happens. So after reviving Sue Storm and saying to Reed, you know, I, I just hope you can enjoy the moments with her, the blah, Treas- blah, blah. Treasure, it's more like treasure of each moment with her or something. That yes. Puke. Yeah. And then... <sighs> And then the Silver Surfer takes off into the sky to, yeah. to throw down with a with, with I was going to say throw down with Elastica then. Which <laughs> <laughs> takes on one of the Britpop big acts yeah. in a fight to the death. Now he he flies off to take on Galactus yeah. and basically defies all logic because he he flies into the heart of this angry ominous storm cloud which is the yep. form of galaxis and don't get me wrong we get some like shadowy glimpses that are like oh could we do yeah. could that be a hand is that the whole yeah. crown of galactus oh, was yep. and then he without saying a word 
without really having a chat or any dialogue, as we've mentioned, there's no there's no vocal presence, even though you've hired Lawrence Fishburne, would it come on? Yeah. Make him do something here that would have made sense rather than voicing Silver Surfer, who's got a perfectly good voice. Um, yeah. Silver Surfer kind of goes all, you know, anime-style attack. Yes. And, cro- you know, balls up, crosses his arms, yeah. and explodes, which completely destroys, dissipates, whatever, Galactus. Galactus, yeah. Which begs the question, did Galactus make the Silver Surfer stronger than him? And if so, mm. wow. how? How and why, yes. That, that's what it begs the question. How did he destroy Galactus if Galactus is like his master? Uh, it doesn't, it's like, yeah, so I'm going to have this slave, but I'm going to give him uh, superpowers and I'm going to give him a magic cosmic weapon and I'm going to give him the capability to kill me at any point. Um, I just hope that he never goes to a planet and finds a woman who reminds him of his wife who's going to talk him into turning against me. I really hope that never happens. And then, whoops, it did. It's such a strange moment and i didn't remember that that's how it goes down i didn't remember that he destroys galactus yeah um and it it kind of undermines everything we know about galactus <laughs> from a comic book perspective from a comic, i mean my favorite storyline involving galactus is still the one where squirrel girl beats him um but she yeah, does that, that with brains not brawn um but yeah, it just completely throws us off. What was Galactus? What was it's? It, no, we don't. We don't know. Was he in fact just a giant cloud? And did all he had to do all along was just explode the cloud, and then all was well. Don't know. I yeah, don't know. there's just no answers here, and just so many questions. And there's and there's still all those massive holes in the planet. Yeah. never dealt with we kind of see that silver surfer in the post-credits scene is alive and kind of drifting in space yeah somehow despite imploding to (laughs) yes how does that work um we also flash back to earth where the fantastic four decide that it's the perfect time for reed and sue to get married and they're going to get married um in generic Asia, because generic Asia, despite yeah. the fact that we're in a city in China, yeah. they decide to get married and are suddenly surrounded in quite clearly like a Japanese garden yes. surrounded by women in kind of full geisha outfits. Yeah. Outfits. And um, there's also an implication here that the Fantastic Four aren't famous outside of the United States. That is the implication, yeah. I don't know where these locals came from. And what I did notice at the end is you have, there's a bunch of little girls wearing generic Asian, probably Japanese kimonos, but it's never made clear. And one of them's white. Huh. I didn't notice that. Probably because I was already blinded by the kind of casual racism of... I mean, yeah, to be fair, I was I was like, and I'm pretty sure that's, is that, I was like, is that Korean national dress over there? Um, but yeah, no, I did notice that one of the little girls at the end was white. Some of them were Asian. 
generic Asian because if you're gonna if you're gonna do cultural appropriation, you just pick a general area, don't you? You just like Asian. you do. You just choose a continent you know? traditionally yeah. rather than <laughs> rather than you know. Let's and I mean it. There's a lot that insults me about that. I mean, I've nothing against them. Right, let's just get married. We've tried the whole big party thing and a helicopter nearly crashed and killed Ben's girlfriend. Yeah. Let's let's, you know, move on from that. Let's do a wedding. But why does it have to be Asian themed randomly? In you know, Japanese themed when you're clearly in China. Why not just, hey, we've flown the priest over, do it in the wreckage of the city. It doesn't really matter at this point, does it? Yeah. It's have you wear your Fantastic Four uniforms? I don't know anything, but what the hell you did at the end there is just like, no, no, it's so uh, wrong. The, it's To call it problematic would be an understatement, I it think. It would, yeah. And I still have questions. Go on. And it's not necessarily to do with that. So we, we've covered the plot. We've, this is a long podcast, and I respect anyone who's made it this deep thank you 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 brave brave souls but there there are a plot points in this film that stop as quickly as they start so there's things like yep fantastic four fashion once again fantastic yeah. fashion fantastic fashion yep johnny at the start of the film has this kind of booster gold-esque jumpsuit covered in sponsors yeah where does that go because he tries it out as well, because he lands with that on the roof when Reed's doing things he shouldn't be doing with the sensor. Yeah. And he's like, don't tell Sue what. And he does have all the logos on it at that point. That's the last time we see it. Yeah, we we only get it in like one or two scenes. And what the hell is the deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> True, yeah. Um, Alicia, uh, Ben's girlfriend, who... Yeah. Can't lie, one of my favourite characters. <laughs> Going to agree with you there. She is, I would say she's my favourite female character in this. There's not much competition because the oh, God, no. <laughs> you've got Sue and the army lady. Um, so clearly she's already well up there. But no, she's actually one of the better characters in this film, Alicia. And it disappoints yeah. me that she just kind of disappears. Yeah, after the first like 15, 20 minutes, she's gone. Yeah. <laughs> She gets mentioned, as we've said, in the in the yeah. pub scene, which is probably the best scene. They talk about her. Yeah. But she's not there. And no. uh, as you mentioned, the army lady, Frankie. And oh, she it, has, yeah, I didn't even bother <laughs> learning her name. Is at the wedding with Johnny, despite consistently through the film just ignoring Johnny and not being interested. And what the hell is that? I just... <laughs> Well, it's like, because she appears at the end, like, General Hager's dead. I nearly called him Captain. <laughs> Never mind. General <laughs> Hager's dead. I will get his name right. Um, and she sort of confronts them, and then they're like, we need to save the world. And that's it. That's okay. So you warmed to them because they told you they needed to save the world. Okay. Why? And... <laughs> I mean, her character serves absolutely no purpose um, because is it, oh, Johnny's maturing because his taste in women is now to professional army people as opposed to models, I don't know. But literally, she serves no purpose. Johnny's storyline of maturity could have been done 
so much better with better characters. Why is she there? Why? She she doesn't really speak much. She has some lines when she's telling Johnny off, but for most of the scenes she's in, she's just stood there silently. And it's like, you could have just got a cardboard cutout to do that job. I I don't know. In a film that is starved for more female characters... It's disappointing that one of those female characters could not be in the film and you wouldn't have, you wouldn't see the difference. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's really disappointing. And I, there's a lot to dislike about this film. Yes. And How this has got more, why this is more critically acclaimed. And I use that term very lightly because I'm not sure 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Equals critical acclaim. But why this was seen as a slightly better film by some critics on the internet, I can't figure out for the life of me. No, I I think you have to have very different standards to think this is better than the first film. Yeah. And while I think both films are imperfect in a whole bunch of ways, I, I just feel like you know what, there, there are some things to like in here, but not enough, I think. No, I mean, I like the st- I like Alicia, I like her and Ben's relationship, I like Ben and Johnny's reactions and interactions. Yeah, and, and I think Doug there Jones is... Doug Jones is really good. Why didn't they let him use his own voice? Um, Just let the man act, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> He's an actor, let him act. Um, he was in Oscar-winning films, damn it. Um, so, yeah, it, it, there is some good stuff, but unfortunately, there's also a lot of questions. And when I spend a lot of time going, but why? But how? But why? <laughs> yeah. I don't enjoy... There's a lot of but why and how in the first film, but I can gloss over that because the ride is fun. Yes, here it, it's not particularly fun. I think it's too short, too awkward, too indecisive with the plot. And it, Yeah, it doesn't know what it wants to be. Is it a Fantastic Four family plot? Is it about marriage and growing up and maturing? Is it about the end of the world? Is it about a cool new villain? Is it about shoehorning Victor Von Doom as a villain into oh, it's here? it's definitely about that. <laughs> Is it about a giant space cloud? Because the Silver Surfer is a good character, played well by Mr. Jones. But he's not not justified or focused on enough for it to work. Or have his name in the title, frankly. It should should have been Fantastic Four, Return of Victor Von Doom. (laughs) Return of Doom. Um, Oh, there's a lot to unpack. Okay, The Cloud. Yeah. People hate it. I I have it cited to me all the time as that's why this is a bad film. I think that is false. I think if if your biggest problem is an ominous cloud, an ominous angry space cloud, if that is your problem with this film, you've not seen this film. I'm sorry. No, you've seen the the honest trailer for this film. (laughs) Yes. And the cloud... Yeah, it's not perfect. And I know the long-standing rumour is that Tim's story had 
in place the plans for a Silver Surfer film, and he wanted to save the reveal of Galactus for the Silver Surfer film. And you know what? I can respect that decision. You don't want to throw Galactus into the mix of an already messy film just to add to the overall mess you if you if you know there's going to be another film and okay we never got that film that's that's unfortunate and unfortunately i think this film is the reason we never got that film yeah in trying to make fetch happen you made it (laughs) yeah definitely exactly that and i don't think the ominous space cloud is in place of Galactus is the problem. I think the fact that Galactus is undefined conceptually is is the issue. Tell me what Galactus is and then we can work backwards to if the cloud's bad or good. But if you don't tell me what Galactus really is, then the cloud is neither here nor there for me. No. The, The biggest visual problem with this film is simple. Okay. Go on, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. I've been waiting a while for this. In most scenes, Ben Grimm has prosthetic teeth. Yes. Yes. He has like these rocky, awkward looking teeth. Yeah. But I swear to God, I swear to God, there are a couple of scenes in this film where he doesn't have the prosthetic teeth in (laughs) and they show him smiling. And in that moment where he's this big rock dude with these tiny little human teeth, <laughs> it sends shivers down my spine. I, <laughs> I I don't know what it is, but there's a couple of scenes where he's not got these fake teeth in, or at least it doesn't look like it, where you can see these creepy human teeth in this <laughs> big rocky face. And oh man, it makes my skin crawl. I don't know. <laughs> And you know, I mean, I noticed I noticed the denture teeth quite a lot, but I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go back and see if I can <laughs> spot his human teeth now. Oh no! What? I'll watch it on fast forward. It will be fine. <laughs> um, absolutely horrifying. And if if you're upset about the space cloud, let me tell you, you need to take yeah. a proper a proper good look at the thing's teeth <laughs> because that's what you should be upset about. That's the real not sli- tragedy I'm not of sleep. this film. <laughs> You'll just see teeth in your it's the wrong teeth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think I think that more or less brings us to the end yeah. of our Rise We're, of the Silver Surfer deconstruction. Yeah. Longer um, than the film itself, which I yeah. think says says so much for that film because if we can deconstruct it in a period of time longer than the film maybe a film wasn't long enough guys maybe (laughs) you should have thought about filling in some of those giant plot holes to the earth and i think we could have talked about this for a couple of extra days at this point yeah um (laughs) probably could i I deeply recommend checking out our previous podcast where we discussed um, the first Fantastic Four film. I will link to that in the description of this here podcast. Because we did actually enjoy that one more. Yes, and um, I think we explain why quite well. Here, this this isn't a good film, unfortunately. (laughs) I'm disappointed to say. 
um i think we both thought it would be yeah. but especially I, I think we were overly optimistic perhaps yeah. based on the first one yeah i thought because the first one surprised us with how enjoyable it was and the passage of time and all that the fact that it needed reevaluating, and we reevaluated it and came out saying actually it wasn't that bad it's probably the best fantastic four film and having seen this one it's still the first yeah, one is still the best it's fantastic pulling ahead four quite significantly now <laughs> yeah because you know the darker grittier sequel <laughs> Um, it was neither darker nor grittier nor i mean it was slightly because a guy gets killed in a horrible way that's true yeah (laughs) it didn't it didn't improve upon all the problems that were in the first one are in this one but amplified it just didn't there's a reason why there wasn't a third and like you say this this film was the reason yeah it wasn't it wasn't good. I'm really sorry, Silver Surfer. One day you may get now you're and you're now and you're the family bosom of Disney. Maybe they'll do something with you. Probably not, but yeah. we can hope. I I think in the future we'll undoubtedly discuss the Fantastic Four from 2015, and I think in that episode we should get into our thoughts of what should come in the future of the Fantastic Four in a cinematic fashion. Um, But that is something we'll have to save for another day. Save that, yes. Save the world from that for the moment. For the moment. So thank you for listening. If If you've survived this long, I... I have nothing but respect for anyone who's made it through this and anyone who's re-watched the film in preparation, I am so sorry. Um, (laughs) But just... Just just know that the biggest problem with this is not the form Galactus takes. It's the thing's teeth. It's the thing's teeth and the overall horrible sexist overtones and lack of understanding of the human condition. (laughs) (laughs) As a whole, yes. Um, so, uh, thank you. Yep. We have been Angela and Zach and will continue to be. Yeah, we will and, be. And uh, this has been Bigger Than Capes. And um, we, we've not really proved it this week, but remember that comics are bigger than capes. capes. And sometimes <laughs> films are bigger than capes. And sometimes they're just awful films. <laughs> <laughs> Bigger than Capes. Give me some outsiders. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was looking forward to it and then I watched it. Oh, 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 oh,